The Home Show with Sinead Ryan. With Daikin on News Talk. Hello and you're very welcome along to the latest episode of the Home Show podcast coming up this week. Neve Marr of thejournal.ie will be joining me to talk about making our living spaces comfy and cosy as we head towards the autumn months. Joan Scales is stopping by to discuss the value of street art and its place in our urban environment. While students are heading into another academic year, many are falling foul of accommodation scams. We'll be getting the lowdown on that and I'll be finding out how to make beautiful hardwood floors last longer. If you'd like to get involved in the show today, you can email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. You can get in touch with me over on Instagram at Sinead Ryan 100 or you can text us on 53106 for 30 cent. And remember, you can listen live to the show. You can listen to our podcasts all up on the News Talk website or on the News Talk app, which is powered by Go Loud. Now, this week saw the arrival of CAO offers to students around the country. We're told about half got their first offer. And of course, there is a route for all now. It's certainly changed since my day, I can tell you, when there were like about five things you could do. Uh, But uh, whether it's university the route of professional qualifications or apprenticeships, which I'm a big fan of because I did one myself, earning while you're learning. Uh, For many, moving away from home used to be just a simple rite of passage and expectation. And now it has got so much more difficult. And I know students, a lot of them around the country, are making choices, uh, not based on the course they want to do, but the course that means that they can live at home, which is an awful shame, uh, really. Uh, And now it is bad enough trying to find somewhere to live in the current housing crisis uh, without being scammed out of your money when you do. So I'm looking forward to talking to one of my guests about that and maybe solving and avoiding certain problems there. But let me know what you think. If you're happy with your results, if you're heading away from home for the first time, I'd love to know uh, how you're navigating that space. 53106 if you want to get in touch and you're very welcome along. Now, in years gone by, street art wouldn't have been considered much more than graffiti, something to be scrubbed off and washed away as quickly as possible. But you may have noticed in recent years, cities all over the world, including in our own country, have embraced street art in a very real way. Uh, We even have the light of street art tours on offer now and in some cases councils uh, supporting it. But does it enhance our environment or is it still an eyesore for passers-by? Well, Joan Scales, travel journalist and broadcaster, uh, joins me in studio now to talk about this. Joan, thank you for coming in. You're very welcome. I suspect we may have divergent views on this issue. We might have, all right, Sinead. You're a thanks, fan. Thanks very much for having me on. I am a fan. And to be honest, I've been documenting street art. I just realised when I look back on some of my photographs and videos, probably for about 10 years now. Um, and I, it actually all started in Bristol because I went to Bristol and uh, my son was living there. And uh, I realised there was a lot of street art. And then I went to visit again and I did a tour of Bristol. And Bristol, as you know, had a lot of really serious problems in the 1980s, a lot of race riots and stuff. And the city had gone very much downhill and huge social issues. And then um, Banksy, who is a very famous street artist, lived in Bristol and he started doing some street art. And and I do want to say there's a difference between graffiti and street art. Graffiti is Mm. about uh, tagging, uh, where, where artists 
our graffitis are um, putting up words and their names. Basically, it's their names and they're showing off to other people who are doing exactly the same thing. So for that kind of graffiti, that's not street art. And that's the stuff the you true see sense. under bridges or yeah, on they're derelict. They're basically their names. Their names yeah. are words. You might see no Sisto or Crude. or clever it's done, it just always looks to me yeah, dirty. Now, I presume I'm not the demographic for finding no, this stuff no, attractive. No, no. And I tell you, it's, it's, it's really about a community talking to itself. It's not about art. It's they're tagging to show their friends the way they can do their lettering and do their, put their names up. But it's vandalism though, Joan, it's, is it? Well, the city council hate them. I can tell yeah. you that they hate well, them. They do prosecute some of them. They I know have prosecuted uh, people. Former Michael McDool was wrote a piece for the Irish Times uh, last week, calling it visual squalor and moronic. Now he's probably not the demographic either, no more than myself. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to that, are councils doing enough? Because I mean, it strikes me, Joan, that they're not going to get enough uh, backing for the actual street art, the actual kind of stuff that we want to well, see now, there if are they don't clamp down on that stuff. The, they, they do try to clamp down. I have talked to some of the councils about this. But let's just look at the street art, which is what people are, people see as actual art. You know, where you see something, it's about um, images. A lot of times there might be a social uh, point behind it. Say like Joe Caslan, he's one, he'd be one of the most famous kind of street artists in Ireland. Holly Pereira, uh, they'd be really well-known names, Neto. Um, they're, they're about social experiences like Joe Cousins one of his most famous pieces is on the hotel it used to be the Ardry Hotel in Waterford it mm. overlooks the, sh- the shore it's on the, the other side of the river to the city and um, that's, that's fabulous and what, what that's about is about people encompassing each other and caring for each other it's like a huge big picture of a man it's 60 metres wide and sorry it's 100 metres wide and six storeys high you can imagine it's huge but what that actually is about is about people if people work together they can care for each other so it has social message Mm. as well now that is an example of street art and Waterford has really embraced street art because Waterford has now has over 200 pieces of street art right okay they actually have a department in their council and they work with a company called The Walls Project. And The Walls Project will work with councils and artists, sponsors and owners of properties as well to help you put together art that's art. So in the yeah. in the way that you'd commission a painting for civic offices or, or some public building, do, do artists, street artists send in what they think they might like to do and where they might like to do they it? They do. They like do. a tender. Yeah, they, they, they do put it together. So, so say the Walls Project is like an intermediary. So artists can go to them and say, yes, I'm interested in doing something. Like recently they've just done, there's a big regeneration of Tipperary Town. So they've been involved in that and getting artists to produce artwork for this regeneration. They're also working with uh, Dunleary and Dunleary have a project there called Onsha which is the Irish word for here. And Dunleary are also uh, putting in street art in mm. in and around Dunleary to enhance it because we know Dunleary has working hard to kind of change its image. Well, it certainly is. And anybody yeah. who's been down to visit the new uh, Dunleary baths would think anything might 
enhancers help, compared yeah. to the concrete it's jungle that's been built down there. But anyway, I digress. I, if you're just joining me now, I am speaking to travel journalist Joan <laughs> Scales on her uh, her thoughts on street art. Um, now, look, there is always that kind of when when is art art? And you're going to have that. Listen, that's always been the case for hundreds of years. It is. And nobody no one person gets to determine what's art. But there are a small number of people who get to decide what goes in and what goes up. There are. What is the law around this kind of thing? The law at the moment, as it stands, is you need planning permission for street art. So if you're going to paint the front of your building, you need planning permission. Or whether you're an owner or a council, it's council owned. You need planning permission. Um, It takes time, depending on where you are. It costs money, of course, as well. You know, Mm. you can't just uh, assume. It's not terribly expensive, but still, it could be €300 to get planning permission. And I know some people will remember um, there was a furore over a a piece of of art in a private house in Bray where the owner wanted, uh, what I thought... That was a lovely piece. I liked that. Piece, uh, I thought dedicated, was, I think, yeah. to Katie Taylor, a ballerina and a boxer in that Yeah, thing. yeah, it was and, a lovely piece. Uh, she was forced to take it down. She was. And that was Dunleary uh, Council, I think, uh, forced her to take it down. Whereas on the converse, we have a fantastic picture of David Attenborough, a whole gable wall on Longwood Avenue in... Um, in just off South Circular Road. Now, Dublin City Council, that was done by a company called, a collective, an artist collective called Subset. They've done a couple of things. They've done the horse boy down around Smithfield. They've done the one was Think and Wonder on Grantham Street. Now, Dublin City Council did go after them. Quite harsh. And they prosecuted them because they didn't have planning permission for those uh, pieces of work. But in actual fact, they dropped the case now in February so the art pieces are still there. But now right. Subset had to pay the legal costs. OK, so uh, so if you're going to do something like that, and I suppose, look, there shouldn't no. be a free for all because what's your art is my eyesore. Exactly. And, you know, if yeah. people, even in their private house, go up and paint orange and yellow stripes on it, like it does distract from you, the area. It does, it does. You, ha- you do have to take into consideration your neighbours and whatever the subject matter is. And we are trying, Ona Brown, uh, the uh, Sinn Féin yeah. um, TD, has actually uh, put a some legislation, it put a proposed legislation in place for um, public art mural exempted development where you wouldn't need planning permission. Now, that's going through the Oireachtas at the moment. It's only at the second stage. And but what it's would a that bill. mean now, then, well, in reality? It's, it's, it means that you wouldn't need planning permission to do street art. Now, And is uh, that what people want? I think, the, certainly the councils don't want that. They don't want that. They want people to, to have permission to to put up street art and they want to be able to have to know what the subject mm. is going to be because you don't want to be upsetting people. You know, you don't want people putting up subjects yeah. that would maybe... Or maybe make political statements. Political I, statements. You'll remember during the, during the repeal of the Eighth Amendment. statements. There or, were all those, the red love hearts appeared yeah. all over the place with repeal the Eighth and made it onto T-shirts and merchandise oh, and did, all that uh, kind of thing. Became the, and I suppose you have to be a little bit careful about, you know, uh, I, not... You know, art well, can speak and it can have a voice and yeah. it can it can be controversial. But maybe somebody has to make a determination on that. Well, that, this is where the Walls Project come into it because I've interviewed them and they have what they call a memorandum of understanding. So with artists, they actually have 
um, details of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And so everything has to kind of be screened first. So if someone comes along with an idea, they have to look at it and see does it conform to the Mm. memorandum of understanding, which would include things like no racial slogans or no nudity or no uh, blasphemy or all those kind of things that might upset someone. So working with someone like that makes a lot of sense Mm. because they will temper What's, what's yeah, because going to be. unlike an art exhibition in a gallery, you can choose to go or not to go. But yes. if it's on the street where you're doing your shopping, yeah, you've or no going choice. To hairdressers, you've no it's choice. There. Okay, it's there. Now you are, of course, well known as a travel writer and journalist. So talk to me about how other countries deal with this. Uh, well, you know, what, what is there? A, is there what does good look like in this regard? Well, I tell you, my favourite one that I think is really good is Lisbon, and I'd say to people, just look up Lisbon street art. They do fabulous, really, really good. Whole, the whole building's covered in amazing pictures and paintings. Really, really good. So I would say to people, look at uh, look at what Lisbon does because I feel what they do is very artistic. It actually is art. Yeah. You know. And then nearer to home, Dundalk is fantastic. You want to see what's going on in Dundalk. I mean, Dundalk had a terrible name for years because it was a border town. It was unfortunate in the way, you know, it it, it did get stuck in the troubles Mm. as well. And they have what they call the Sikh Festival in Dundalk. And there's fantastic art there in Dundalk as well. And it's only up the road. Interesting. So people can go and see it being done well and then decide if it's something they want in their area. All right. Uh, So I, I... Okay, yeah, I'm not saying you've persuaded me 100%, but I I probably am of the view that if we manage to clamp down on all of that ugly tagging and it just seems, I I do see council workers out. I see them regularly. They do. And they're scrubbing and getting rid of everything. And one project which I really enjoyed, which I think is, is, I don't know if it's still ongoing, is where they painted up all those incredibly ugly power boxes, you know, that they you do. see littering they're, the streets. They're, they're the traffic boxes yeah. and that's called Dublin Canvas and it's now spread to the other council. Fingal and Don Leary have got involved. It started in 2011 with Dublin City Council and the point of it was they did it in a small area to try and stop people tagging those boxes and graffiti in them and yeah. putting stickers on them. So they have this brilliant project and I really want to encourage anybody, if you have any kind of art feeling inside you or you feel like you want to do a painting or do something, look it up. It's called uh, DublinCanvas.com. So what they do is they will allocate a box to you. Mm. Now, you have to submit drawings or pictures of what you would like to do. Yeah. And um they will then choose. So they'll be taken uh, in the autumn time from ne- from next month. They'll be taking submissions for next spring and summer and you'll be allocated a box. But they'll give you the paints as well. Oh, they'll right. give you all the equipment. Okay. And they'll also give you a few bob. You get 250 euros. Right. So that smartens there up the go. city. Well, I mean, that, that takes all the, the old Texaco <laughs> art competition yeah, winners and absolutely. gives them something else and So to they'll do. have 250 boxes a year. Yeah. That you can do under right. Dublin Canvas. But it's Dunleary are doing it as well and Fingless yeah. Council. And they do make you smile they do. when you're passing. Uh, they do. I must say, if you look at my Instagram, you'll see there's hundreds of them up at the, my Instagram because I've been cop- doing them for... Which is... Jones, Jones Scales, Scales Travel. Okay. At Jones Scales Travel. And they will cheer you up because a lot of the times they can be quirky. They can be related to the area. Like one of my favourite ones recently is 
anybody Dubliners who live in the kind of the city would know this. There's one on High Street for Murphy's Pram Shop. And if people remember Murphy's of High Street, that's where you got your pram and your buggy and your baby's cot. They were famous. So there's a lovely one there for that. Then at Kimainham Jail, there's beautiful portraits of Grace. Yes, Grace Gifford. Grace Gifford, Mm. yeah. Beautiful. And so all around the city, up by the barge, there's some beautiful swans that have recently been painted. So uh, keep your eyes open when you're walking yeah, around. And goodness because knows, uh, like we need good news, don't we? We, do. we need art, definitely. we need we creativity, need, yes, we definitely. need stuff to cheer us up mm. uh, and to look nice. All right, well, Joan Scales, almost convincing me there. Uh, well, <laughs> well, definitely on the art, not so well, much But keep your eyes open. I mean, the important right. thing is just keep your eyes open wherever you are. Indeed. And just Indeed. you'll see some nice, okay. something that'll cheer you up. And let me know what you think. Like it or loathe it, where do you stand on street art? Would you like to see more of it? Would you like your council to be doing more about it? Or would you like to give it a go yourself? Uh, text us here, 53106. Or if you've done it, send us in a picture at the home show at newstalk.com. Joan, thanks a million for all of that. Thanks, uh, Brilliant as usual. Now, each year, uh, hundreds of students are targeted by fake landlords and scammers offering accommodation units and properties uh, that they either purport to be renting or they don't exist at all. So what is the current state of play now that the academic year is about to get underway? Maybe students going to college for the very first time. It's hard enough to find accommodation without falling foul of a fraudster. Well, USI Vice President for Campaigns, Zaid Albarguti, joins me now. Zaid, you're very welcome to The Home Show. Thank you very much, Good to be here. Now, uh, I was looking at some stats on this and the CCPC said that the Gardaí had reported a 65% increase in accommodation scams since 2019. Now, Mm -hmm. that's everything from regular renters to holiday accommodation. What has been the experience among fellow students? I mean, I think we think of your age group as kind of tech savvy and across all the stuff and you're not going to fall for something like this. But that's not the case. No, definitely. Well, on the tech savvy bit, I won't argue, but um, on the on the on the experience from students, what we hear now, especially at this point in the year, from our members, which are the different student unions across the country, um, that this is an issue across the board, um, and it's affecting students more so students who don't have the opportunity to view the property in the first place. So we're talking about international students who want to find a place to live before they get here. I was in that boat for four years. I know that it's not easy to 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 trust anyone, but really. Be- out of all the facilities we have, all the consumer protection mechanisms available for renters, that's really your only option. Mm. So these are the, the stories we hear. And obviously the, the tech part of it makes things a bit difficult. You know, websites that look like Daft, look like Airbnb, but in fact, they're just a wall for a virus or for someone who just collects the payment um, and actually has no connection to a property in the first place. So for students now who are about to embark on their college year. Uh, Colleges are are getting geared up now to get everybody back. Uh, What are the most common type of scams or what are the maybe the triggers that people should be alerted to if they are currently online tapping away, waiting for something to drop? I mean, we we give out a bit of guidance on this end um, for students in addition to talking about what policy needs to happen. But in terms of the, the guidance we give for students, you're looking at, first of all, the most basic thing you can do is to inspect the property before you do it. And again, easier said than done with, with the likes of international students who might not be in the country when they're looking at a property. But what we see mainly is a property that just looks a bit too good to be true. 
And if that's the case, it usually is too good to be true. If you're, I mean, we all know how how, how rent prices work in the country. We all have a feel about different areas, how how prices are in these areas. And when something looks just a bit cheaper and, and, and it mm. provides a deal that is a bit too good to be true, probably it is. So, so maybe normal is you're shocked by how high the rent is rather than you're surprised by how low it is. Pretty much. Okay. Pretty much. So, so if it doesn't make sense, it, it isn't going to make sense. Uh, it, try and view the property. Now, sometimes though, Zaid, even where you do that, I understand that there can be fake landlords. I, I heard of one scam which did the rounds last year where a scammer had rented an Airbnb and then started showing it to people like it was his property and collected all the deposits and all the rent. So even where you go along... There um, might be a chance where, yeah. where you get scammed. Absolutely. And we we talk about, we talk about, for example, making this information public for people to know uh, what property is there to be lented, whether it's a short term or long term uh, rental. And we see that in different areas in terms of consumer protection. A simple public registry that allows tenants to know that this is a ten- that this is a landlord that has capacity of X number of people in this in this apartment or property um, and they've been renting and they have a good record uh, in terms of dispute resolution. I think that information should be public. Uh, the RTB is a public body mm. um, and, and, and people just should know a bit more uh, and should be afforded this information going in. Because as you said, people are getting creative with scams now. Mm. You are going to a property, you're, fe- you're, you're feeling like it is a property. And then at the end of the day, as, as one of the stories that the Scam Watch campaign is covering, you go in and, and you're woken by, by 12 people who claim that they've been given keys by the landlord, Gosh. who then flee the country with, I think, six times 12. So that's the amount of money that he made. So six grand times 12, fled the country with that, wow. cannot be caught. And there are six, 12 people who thought they have a place to live in fact, they don't. Yeah, it's just so, it's awful really and it's so insidious and students have little enough money and their parents have little enough money that the last thing they need is to be is to be done with this. Talk to me a little bit about campus accommodation. Is it improving? Do more colleges have more purpose-built student accommodation now? We think purpose-built student accommodation is the only suitable op- 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 option for students. Um, of course, we, we like to stick to the same word used by the Department for Further Education, affordable purpose-built student accommodation, yeah, although no exactly. one really knows what that means because there is no guidance on it. There is no increase in purpose-built student accommodation. The only initiative there to increase purpose-built student accommodation is to, I think it will deliver around 10,000, uh, sorry, 1,065 beds over the next year. And that looks at colleges that already have planning permissions for smaller projects and, and kind of just funding that quickly. But mm. there is no capital grants, which we ask for, for um, building bigger complexes, more beds, which we obviously need. And you're dealing with a much more reliable party then when you're dealing with a college. Yeah, but a lot of colleges have a huge campus. They've plenty of space. A lot of it, it seems to me, taken up in things like car parks. Um, Should there be an onus on universities and colleges to actually make some of that space available and facilitate accommodation on site? Absolutely. I think universities know the issues of their students more than anyone. Um, it might be student unions, but mm. a university can see what sort of academic impact such issues have on people, mental health impact issues have on people. And in the first place, universities are advertising seats uh, for for students. They're advertising for people who, who not are not even in the country. And I think they ought to have some sort of options that are uh, reliable, that are suitable for, for the needs of a student um, to be provided for. And I get there's there's a lot of funding involved and there's a lot of issues and bureaucracy and red tape with 
and getting these projects over the line. Mm. But I think a, a genuine effort um, will definitely prove that it can be done. Okay, and then finally, um, Zaid, uh, talk to me a little bit about digs because there's a huge push to get people who are underoccupied in large homes, especially in college towns, to release the room, earn money tax-free, have a student in for the academic year now that Airbnb is kind of effectively so difficult to get. Would you, is that a good option for students, the old digs and uh, the kind of the Monday to Friday? Digs without legislation will have me sitting in this chair in six months talking about scams, abuse through digs, uh, because in digs um, you get a roof over your head, but you get zero protections with that. We are of the position that you're offering uh, homeowners €14,000 as a tax relief form, Mm. I think there ought to be some sort of conditions attached to that, including minimum standards to ensure that a room is habitable. Nothing in there now. Um, Some sort of agreement that needs to be reached to. People need to know their rights and obligations in such such Mm. arrangements, I think. Because they don't become a landlord under the Residential Tenancies Board definition of a landlord. It's a very casual arrangement. It's absolutely casual. There's talk of bringing a licensing agreement, which in law only exists for cases of dealing with college-owned student accommodation. Obviously, you're dealing with with an organisation at that point. So you'd like to see that extended maybe to to families that put up a student or have one available? Absolutely. We would like some sort of formalities Mm. to be extended to digs. We get that there's an incentive of getting people to put rooms up for Mm. digs. And ultimately, it's the most important thing to get a roof over someone's head. But again, this is an issue that this is an option that is really relying, we're relying on and, and, and we should really put protections on okay. it. Okay. And finally, for all the new students embarking on their first year in college, any tips for them if they're struggling to find accommodation? Um, relax. Uh, it, it will be sorted. Reach out to your students' union um, and, and just keep looking and have a bit of faith. It's difficult, but once you get it, it'll be worth it. And we're always here to help you. All your student representatives are here to help you with it. And just be a bit wary. It's it's a tough market out there in all respects. Yeah. All right. Well, USI Vice President for Campaigns, Saeed Al-Barghouti, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank in you for having me. Home show. Hardwood floors can be the centrepiece of any home and with good reason. They're durable, beautiful and timeless, but they're also expensive and you do need to maintain them. If you don't, it could cost you an awful lot of money. So joining me now with some tips on how to better look after hardwood flooring is Martin O'Callaghan, wood flooring expert and owner of Munster Hardwood Flooring. Martin, you're very welcome along to The Home Show. Thank you very much, Sinead. Good morning. Good morning. Now, there are, of course, lots and lots of different types of hardwood flooring and people love it and it looks so beautiful. So if you're choosing a hardwood floor, what floor, first of all, what woods are better in terms of the long term and keeping them clean? The type or the species of wood is important, certainly, and it's important to go with a hardwood floor um, if the budget allows for that. Um, in the hardwoods, there's many, many different types, but 90% Sinead of the flooring, hardwood flooring that's sold in Ireland is is oak flooring, white oak. Okay, white oak. And is that durable and, you know, people can have it a long time? Is that is that why it's it suits our climate? It suits our climate, number one, but also it's one of the harder woods. But the beauty of oak is it colours quite easily, it stains quite easily, so you can turn it into any one of 150 or 200 different colours. Sometimes people look at a dark oak floor and say, oh, it's a walnut floor, mm. but it's an oak floor stained to a certain colour. 
Okay. And that's the beauty of the oak is you can create anything with it. It's oh. also plentiful. It is indeed, and 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 we have them here, and it's it's sustainable in that sense. Now, scratches, damage. Look, I I am of the view, um, Martin, that for a lot of people, the some the scratches and the dents and the wear and tear, it can actually enhance to some extent a floor. I mean, something that's desperately highly polished and you want to keep it perfect is one thing. But it's okay, isn't it, to have a floor that is lived with the room? I would agree with you completely. I think it adds character to the floor and adds character to the room that it's in. Um, and I think, you know, if you're going to put in a hardwood floor, you don't expect it to be perfect for the next 20 years. If you do, I would say go for something else. I, I believe you live in it. You have to live in your home, Sinead. Mm. Um, up to a point, obviously, you don't want scratches all over it. And that can be maintained by, you know, having felt pads on your furniture, having mats at your doors, sweeping up if any rough grit or large stones come in on shoes, etc. Mm. So th- there's ways and means of keeping that to a minimum. OK, now, if we have uh, scratches that we don't like, you know, somebody has dragged a chair across the floor or a stiletto heels have been chunking into it. I'm cringing even thinking of that at the moment with my own wood floor. Uh, wh- is there anything that can be done kind of to spot repair parts of the floor? It does depend on the type of finish you have on your floor. So you've, you've several different types of finish, uh, oils, hard wax oils and lacquers. If you have a lacquered finish, it's quite hard to do anything with mm-hmm. it. Um, you can apply polishes, but it, it's quite difficult to repair in situ. You it's can really, replace it's, a board. It's really only be. kind of colouring it. I've seen some of those. You can get kind of markers and pens that you can colour in something. They're not great, no. I, I would say, to be honest with you, you know, if you leave the scratch for a couple of days, it actually looks better than using one of those repair kits. If you have an oil floor, it's possible to do a spot repair. But then with an oil floor, you have quite a lot of maintenance. You know, every year or every two years, you'll need to re-oil the floor. So some people prefer not to have that and to have a lacquered floor. And again, maybe live with some of the serious damage or get an expert in to change out a board for you. Okay, now we've had a kind of a wet and warm summer um, this year. And I know that with wooden floors, particularly in, in the, if they're in humid areas, that can lead to warping of, of uh, wooden planks. What can people do about that? Or, or it, does, it, does the fix happen in the laying of them? Most of the fix happens in the laying Sinead, where if you get, you know, an expert in fitting wood flooring in, they will allow during the fitting for the expansion that may or may not happen during a very humid time. Mm. So leaving expansion gaps around the, the perimeter of the rooms and around the perimeter of the house. But also, you know, making sure you have good ventilation during humid times. So, for instance, if we have 27 or 28 degrees today and it's humid, make sure you have some windows open Never leave your home locked up for too long. Like if you go on holidays, try and have somebody to come in and open a window for a few hours. Just let some fresh air in. Mm. Okay. Now, regularly deep cleaning hardwood floors um, can help prolong their life. So what's the process for that? Would you always recommend an expert or can you do it yourself? Uh, You can do it yourself. Um, I would always recommend an expert, to be honest with you. But it is possible to do it yourself by hiring just a buffing machine. Uh, and using the correct cleaner and spend a few hours just buffing your floor and then you can decide whether you'd like to apply another coat 
it does really depend on the type of finish on your floor originally. So a lacquered floor, you can give it a good clean, give it a little buff with a fine grade sandpaper and apply another coat of lacquer. But you need to be sure what type of lacquer was on before it. Okay. So I would always say, if possible, have an expert do it. All right. Okay. And what could people expect to pay for that then, Martin, if they're going to have somebody coming in? Well, I think, look, if, if it's a deep clean and apply a coat of lacquer, you know, a couple of hundred euros, three to four hundred euros per room could be expected. Okay. Um, if it's a full resand and full refinish, obviously that adds to the cost. But that should only happen every, you know, 14 or 15 years. All right. Okay. Well, listen, thanks a million for all those tips. Uh, I know people absolutely love their floors uh, where they have them and they are so beautiful and warm to look at uh, that it's a great idea to make sure that it lasts as long as possible. Absolutely. Martin O'Callaghan, wood flooring expert with Munster Hardwood Flooring. Thanks a million for joining us on The Home Show. Thanks, Sinead. Now, let us face it, the summer had barely arrived before it disappeared in a puff of low-lying cloud and squally downpours. Uh, It was very disappointing, to put it mildly, uh, unless we get some crazy Indian summer, which I'm keeping my fingers crossed from. So, without doubt, we are officially into autumn and there is no denying the fact we'll soon be cozying up to an open fire and putting a casserole in the oven and all of that. Uh, So joining me now to chat about what we can do to make our living spaces as comfy and cosy as possible is Neve Marr, Commercial Creative Director with TheJournal.ie. Neve, you're very welcome back. Hi Sinead, how are you? Delighted to be here. Good. Now, what um, the shops, are they getting ready now with new collections? I mean, certainly on the clothes side, the summer rails are consigned to the 50% off category. Yeah, that's it. They've really all kicked off with their autumn collections. Is it the same in home furnishings? It is. Actually, a couple of weeks ago, I was out and about in the shops and was already starting to see, and this was still kind of, you know, mid-August, I was definitely starting to see an influx in the oranges. You see a few of the pumpkin casserole dishes. You said casserole. I got excited. I'm not going to lie to you tonight. This is my season. I put Taylor Swift on. (laughs) I wrap up in scarves. Bury me in cardigans. I love it. So, yeah. And of course, the interiors, you want it to match the mood, I think. So I love going into a new season and just adding a few little different things that can kind of take you through and say goodbye to, let's face it, not the best summer we've ever had. No, I think we kind of went from spring to, we got that tiny heat wave at the beginning for a week or two. That was summer, wasn't yeah, it? Really I can't even remember it, but no, yes, yes, no, it definitely no. was. All right, okay. So uh, the shops are getting ready. No shortage of inspo mm. from everything from Duns to Ikea to BT's in what you can buy. What kind of themes are we seeing this year? Yeah, so it's it never varies massively when it comes to the changing of the seasons. But I think if you're wanting to look at your own interiors and add a little bit of oomph to it, there are a few different things that you can do, which you can do without breaking the bank as well. And you know me, I love this. I love finding ways in which you can change your interior space without absolutely killing yourselves when it comes to finances. So um, colour is one of the main things that I think we should start about. So it's all about connecting with nature, of course, channeling the falling leaves with lovely burnt orange colours that you can bring in through paint, keeping it tranquil with some earthy green tones as well. And one of the things that I'm noticing a lot when it comes to interiors is people being colour confident. So not being afraid of colour. It's a lot more maximalism at the moment, which I think is really refreshing. Interesting, because we had that whole hugger uh, period yeah, where absolutely. everything was 
beige. I mean, yeah. it was luscious and beautiful, yeah, but it was, it was greys, neutral, 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 and it was yeah. beige and it was neutrals, and so that's you're nice. Much more colour now, are Much you? more colour okay. now at the moment. So, and it's really easy way, a simple way. You can do it in an afternoon. Paint a wall a different colour and then all of a sudden you've got a completely different room there's a few that are really nice sulking room pink I'm biased because I have it in my house by Faro and Ball 69 euro it's definitely expensive but you can tell it's luscious on the wall and it's a beautiful dark pink the pigments are very high aren't yes. they very luxe and that's what you're paying for with 100%. paint like but if you think okay. that that's a little bit too much there's a dupe for that by Dulux which is pressed petal and that's 15% off at the moment for 39 euro on Amazon you can get the same amount and it looks pretty much the same but again it's a it's a lovely it's pink but it's not the pink that makes you go oh there's pink in my house you know like it's yeah. very autumnal which is a really nice way and then another one that I love and I think is actually I'll talk about it in the hero products but honey mustard as well this is a Dulux colour and um, it's all about honey this season that's what a really beautiful golden bringing in beiges and browns as well. Yeah. Honey mustard is the way to and go. And actually, look, if you're only doing one wall yeah. or an alcove or, you know, something, it, it, I know it's an expensive amount for, a, you know, a pot mm. of paint, but really you're not doing a whole room or a whole hall stairs landing no. or a whole anything. So it, it may be worth the expense just yeah. for a couple of seasons to see how it goes. And I know a lot of the shops now um, have these colour consultants yeah. you know people that you can go and get advice from I know where I got my colour thing Pat McGrath paints and yeah. all the colour trends they have somebody in there to say this is what you should be here are all the colours that go together absolutely. for people like me who can't do that in but my this head is it. I mean I feel like people are afraid of colours sometimes and there's absolutely nothing to be afraid of like if you're at a point where you want to paint a wall paint a wall if you don't like it paint over it as well yeah. and I mean yeah. you can go into places now and you can get a colour mixed up as well if you're not sure of what you want and I feel people grab these inspirations from lots of places but actually doing it can be quite intimidating but go for it if you really want to change with the seasons I think colour is the way to go definitely Brilliant. okay so don't be afraid of it don't everybody's doing it. it don't worry too much about the neutrals no. keep your furniture neutral and, and give an old splash on the wall okay now textures when we when it comes to this time of year uh, and what's to come because we don't know yet what we're going to get mm. but you are thinking kind of natural fibres cosiness wrapping things around you Absolutely it's all about depth when it comes to texture when we're moving into the autumn season just like we'll be doing with our bodies we'll be covering ourselves up with cardigans and scarves this is what you want to do with your space as well so think of throws think of cushions think of seeing as many of those as far as the eye can see and the thing is as well if you're thinking okay well how can I transform my space I don't want to go and buy a whole new set of cushions. Cushion covers are the way to go in the shops at the moment. It's all about autumn like we were mentioning. So if you're on a budget, get yourself to pennies at the moment because there are some beautiful new seasonal offerings from ribbed faux fur throws. Again, very luxe, but I mean, 12 euro, you really can't go wrong with that. Mm. And they've got some beautiful cushion covers as well. A lot of little gold accents that I'm seeing as well, which again, really kind of amplifies Mm. the autumnal feel of the leaves And of course, with your lighting then, it pings off it so it gives you a nice look. Exactly. And it, keep, it keeps with the textured vibe as well. You can get some nice tufted cushions as well, which again, if you're too afraid of colour, they've got some lovely creams and neutral tufted cushions, which again, just amplifies that texture that we're talking about. If you wanted to, we've spoken about this brand before, Carolyn Donnelly and Dunn's. Mm. Beautiful throws mm. up there at the moment. A little bit more expensive, 30 euro. But again, you know, it's that's not breaking the bank either. No, um, but uh, like I have throws in my house and I don't use them during the summer, obviously, but they go up on a spare bed. Yeah. And they 
act as a kind of just an extra layer there. Oh, or, yeah. You know, so so it, you're not going to waste it. If Absolutely. You, if you and that's the thing. I'm I'm constantly kind of rearranging my throws, bringing them outside whenever the sun is out, bringing them upstairs, switching them up. And that's the thing. I mean, you're investing in something that you can utilize in different rooms of your home as well. So I say texture all the way. And again, the minute it gets cold, which it's going to, you just basically put all that texture over yourself <laughs> and huddle up on the couch. Layer, layer, layer. Layer, 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 layer. Okay. Brilliant. All right. Now, uh, we are also going to talk about scent mm. uh, because when we think of autumn, we are thinking of those woody mm. smells, maybe coming towards the cinnamon kind of oh, end of thing. Don't no, be talking. mention the C don't word Don't mention now. the C word, Sinead. <laughs> Definitely not. Not until the month <laughs> begins with the D, I promise. Uh, so talk to me about the, the change in scents because we're, we'll be leaving the kind of the floral uh, yeah. light essences behind. Slightly, although I'm going to touch on, on florals a little bit later as well. But um, when it comes to the smells of autumn, I do think it's very personal. But for me, lighting a candle um, that evokes the sense of autumn just really transforms the space that you're in. Um, there's a few that I found that I really love. I actually want to talk about an Irish candle company first. So EJ's Two Scents. You can find her on Instagram. Sense is spelled as you would imagine, S-C-E-N-T. Love that, love a pun. Um, handcrafted soy wax candles made in Dublin. Emma Jane makes them herself. They're beautiful. I've got them on numerous different occasions. She's very good at personalising her candles as well. So obviously when she's handcrafting them, she can pick the scents and things. So if you have a particular scent that you want, because some people aren't, I find with autumn scents, sometimes people aren't mad about the woody tones either. Mm. So you can get lovely bright and fruity tones as well. Um, but I have to say, go check out EJ's two cents when it comes to autumnal smells. Um, it's beautiful. And actually, she does a lot of videos on how she makes her candles too, which is just fascinating to watch. The White Company have a beautiful uh, smell scent and it's called Autumn. I mean, it does exactly what it says okay. on the tin. So it has uh, some crisp and it's actually a fruity smell as well, but it's got some pear and amber notes. So really bringing in that kind of moodier sense. Um, okay. and, and the thing is as well, you know, candles, when you're investing in them, they can run at about 30 euro. But I mean, you can also get really reasonable, smaller Yankee candles. I mean, Yankee candles are, you know, they're brilliant and they've got and all they the... last really and, forever, and they last don't they? I'm always really nervous about going into the White Company because it's such a beautiful shop. You walk in there and you can all right, I'll just have everything. Oh yeah, well <laughs> and then that's you have it. Remortgage your house. Well, this is it. So they've got a room scent as well. If you're not mad on candles, you can just spray it. Um, and then autumn sunset, twenty six euro by Yankee Farm Fresh Peach as well, and amber and sandalwood is another autumn oh, scent, that's lovely. which is a beautiful. If you one don't as mind, well. maybe your room smelling like a bloke. <laughs> I don't mind that, thing. but it's it's not the sandalwood. They put oh, that yeah. in there, don't they? All right, lovely. okay, fine. Uh, now, anything else you want to talk about your hero products? So these are actually hero trends okay, this, this cool. time around that I just wanted to kind of talk about. So honey hues, like we were talking about honey mustard, that paint. So as a colorway in general, think um, golds and throws for pillows or plates as, as well. Honey is definitely the color of this season and it brings in a lot of extra warmth if you mix in shades of brown. So that's beautiful. But one of my favorite trends and one of my hero ones are retro influences. So this is without going full 70s and 
like carpet Ooh. on the bathrooms. It's Ouch. it's a really nicer way of doing it. It's coming through in a trend called Bloomcore. So although we thought that maybe we were leaving florals behind, um, actually this is being driven a lot by social media. So Bloomcore has around 2.5 million searches now on TikTok. Okay. So it's about bringing in small, classic floral prints and pops of colour like we were talking about as well, as opposed to the full-on botanical maximalism. Um, but actually, we're going to see a lot of retro influences for this season as well. So that's lovely. And we can see that in kind of plaid as well, bringing in the autumnal oh, and uh, okay. and checks. And I mean, God, I love it. So yeah, Taylor Swift will be blasting now for the next six months <laughs> in my house anyway. Um, but yeah, so I mean, keep it, keep it floral, I think, if you want to for autumn. Fantastic. I think poor old Taylor Swift now will be in the news until the end of June next year. <laughs> Did you manage to get tickets? No, and I can't talk about it yet. Sinead, I'm oh, not over it. Oh, too soon, too, too soon. soon. All right. Soon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, listen, uh, Neve. thanks a million uh, for all of those tips. Where can people find you on social media? Yes, you can find me on social media at Neve underscore Mar. But actually, I'm getting all my interior bits now at Terrace of Them All. But you can find that through my personal Instagram. Fantastic. So. All right. Well, Neve, a commercial creative director with the journal.ie. Always fantastic shopper. Uh, oh, <laughs> just drag me to the, the shops. It's, it's a burden. <laughs> Thanks a million for joining us. That's all we have on this week's episode of The Home Show Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We will be back next week with a new episode. And if you'd like to get in touch, it's the home show at newstalk.com and you'll find me over on Instagram at Sinead Ryan 100. The Home Show with Sinead Ryan, Saturday morning at 8 with Daikin on News Talk.